Many industry experts have estimated that the global market for legal technology services will more than double in the next 10 years to nearly 70 billion US dollars. Such services go beyond billing and document management to include legal research, e-discovery, and even predictive analytics to help companies manage the complexities of compliance, contract management, litigation, and intellectual property across multinational organizations. In this episode, we'll hear from Rajitha Bohr, Raj for short, a global entrepreneur and businesswoman who recognized opportunities in the legal tech space over a decade ago. Raj was the founder and CEO of Yira Solutions, providing legal tech services first in Europe and later expanding into North America and Asia. She sold her business in 2019 and is now the global head of legal data and technology at Breakwater Solutions. We'll hear how she used her prior work experience, along with an MBA from New York Tech, to identify business opportunities, develop and manage a growth strategy, and successfully expanded her business. She shares her thoughts on building a company culture, acquiring talent to fuel expansion, having a clear vision and strategy, and the importance of knowing your numbers. Raj, welcome to our podcast series. Thank you, Jan. Thank you for having me. Raj, to get things started, tell our audience about yourself and the journey that led you to start your company, Yera Solutions. Yeah, happy to. I'm happy to share. I'm Rajita Bohr, go by Raj, based in Basel, Switzerland. I've been in the IP and legal space for the past 20 plus years. I started my career as a software developer for an American firm. Um, they were building patent and trademark software. From that later, I moved to another American firm in the legal space around technology around e-billing and matter management. And both jobs has helped me to learn about building a business, around the sales, and also one of the organizations helped me to pay for my MBA with NYIT, mm-hmm. which gave me all the tools, I have to say, to start my company, Yara Solution, headquartered in Basel, Switzerland. So you're working with legal departments at major companies, you were developing software. Sort of describe the problem your potential customer base faced, and what solutions did you provide? What was the focus of your business? It's not necessarily the Issues they face, it's just uh, one of the things we were trying to achieve is to help them how best to use the technology to be efficient as in-house lawyers, right? So by using case management or matter management within a legal department to be efficient to organize the cases and deliver to their customers, which they have SLAs. Also uh, using an e-billing system, for example, managing the outside counsel spend, meaning like outside law firm spend, and also managing the contracts well to deliver to their internal customers, which helps them to move the needle for the, within their organization, right? So they, you know, we're helping them to use the technology best way so that they can enjoy the work they do the best to help the company to close the deals in time and be more efficient. I guess most people perceive that when we talk about corporate counsel or in-house counsel, there's a perception that people believe that, oh, there's just a whole team of lawyers on staff. But the reality is they often, they're responsible to manage the legal and compliance requirements for the company and coordinate with the use of outside legal services. And part of that is both from a budgetary standpoint, a spend, and then feedback and results. And I guess some of what you were doing was helping to coordinate that. That's exactly right. Coordinating in many ways. One, helping them select the technology and implementing so that they can use the technology well. And the other part of it, which you just mentioned, the outside council management, we would help them to bid for the firms for different 
areas of law of practice. For example, they might be the top five firms for mergers and acquisitions. They could be another five firms which are really good with the litigation in certain jurisdictions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get those bids in and then help them select the right outside counsel to either manage the individual litigation or, you know, for a general advisory or M&A, things like that as well. Yes, even though they have internal teams, they still need help with different jurisdictions with outside counsel firms, which we were helping them with. The other aspect of this is that with so much data and information already generated and stored electronically, working with systems now to help attorneys also do something like e-discovery, where if they're working on litigation so that you've got to go and comb through emails and phone records, and I'm, I'm just thinking right now there's this big case against Fox News by Dominion Mm -hmm. Election Systems. What's being exposed now is the sheer volume of information that can be collected. And part of what I saw that your firm was doing was offering that as an additional service. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So for those of you who are not familiar with eDiscovery, this is electronic communications between the parties to be produced either to the regulators or to to the court in time, right? So some of this technology, what they do is go and search and scan everything that's related to this particular case using clear search terms and artificial intelligence and stuff like that, and then help with identifying any documents, emails, any materials related to that particular investigation and package them in this way so that the lawyers can review and produce in front of a regulator or in front of a judge, right, in a court case. So that's one of the things we were helping to um, helping the customers to provide with that kind of technology. Yeah. So you were building within the legal technology vertical, you were building a whole menu of services for your clients. And what right. I what I noted with Yira Solutions was that you, you were growing and growing internationally. What were some of the challenges of that growth, and especially as you open offices around the world? Yeah. So my strategy when I was growing Yira Solutions was grow together with our customers because one of the things I did not want to go the route of raising the capital and having somebody else dictate the path of the company. So this was a growth organically. So some of our customers had presence in Singapore and uh, Hong Kong or in uh, Poland. They're already a customer for us. I said, like, I approached them and said, you know, I'm happy to help you support the same services we're providing in Switzerland in those particular jurisdictions. So they were like, okay, um, you, since you've been doing a great job, let's grow together there. So I would, the profits we made within the company, we would invest in growing in those regions as well. So we were growing organically together with our customers. But along the way, you had to do hiring local talent, people that understood the specifics of the region as to both from a, a systems, how business is done, and local culture. Did you find that challenging? And were you also partnering or were you just out hiring and looking for local talent? Yes. One of the things we invested in terms of the talent acquisition was we would have a global talent acquisition person sitting in the headquarters in Basel, Switzerland. And as we expanded to the regions of Singapore and UK and then in North America, we would have a local talent acquisition people reporting into the headquarters. So they would understand the regional cultural things that they need to be aware of and then also bring in the right talent for us, fit for the particular engagements or 
overall that helps with the growth of that region as well. So we invested in hiring the local talent acquisitions manager who helped us recruiting the right talent. Got it. And as you were growing the company, obviously you had to build a leadership team and you must have built that around a, a company culture. Tell us about the company culture that you were building and in terms of developing a team, looking for the talent that would fill in maybe what was missing along the way so that you could maintain that growth. Yeah, so the, the culture is an interesting thing, to, right? So for me, when we were expanding, I wanted to keep the same enthusiasm and then hire the right talent. And then what does the culture mean to you, right? So mm-hmm. one of the things we tried to do was we had something called uh, hashtag life. So we would have everyone share what they are, not necessarily work-wise, but what they like to do in those regions. And we had different social media presence, including, uh, you know, Instagram, and they would share that. And then also we used the platform to ask everyone to do a survey. I mean, which kind of charity are you interested in um, supporting? And they would say like something around children and education. So we would always try to involve everyone within the organization to have that culture of Yara life, sharing with each other what to do, what they enjoy to do, and mentoring each other as well as supporting the charities which are close to their hearts. So really, to promote a common culture throughout, you were really engaging with the employees to bring them into the loop to make them part of those decisions that they feel good about. And people want to, when they go to work, they want to know that the values and culture of the company align with what their expectations are. Exactly. Exactly. Along the way, and you sold Yira Solutions. Mm -hmm. And was there a point at which you said, okay, I'm ready to make a new leap, a a new start? What was it? Or was it just time? I know the market's been growing because when I looked at the legal tech market, the growth rates has been astronomical worldwide because technology in terms of its newest developments, helping law, both legal departments and law firms grow from a technology space requires a lot of implementation and connectivity relative to systems, et cetera. So what was it about the right time for you to sell? One of the things I mentioned earlier was, you know, the the, the companies I worked for, they were doing a lot of acquisitions as well. So that also helped me to know what the company's valuation should look like, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of the services, the technology. So I had a plan when I started that, you know, I wanted to have a growth for five years and then sell it, right? So I set that target for myself. As you mentioned, the legal tech market just in 2021 was $27.6 billion. And then it's the, the legal tech company is really expected to reach around 69.7 by 2032. You know, in 2019 is when I decided to sell the company. And one of the things I did was engage a company like Credit Suisse, who helped me to put together a book for sale, as well as bring in the audience for me to pitch my company to say that, you know, this will be a good story for them, you know, acquiring us, not only just the talent as well as the technology we built, because we were at a stage where in order for us to grow bigger than what we had, we needed to either take an external investment, it's a capital, or merge or sell to another organization. Like I mentioned, you know, that the, the people we built are so good. And I wanted to make sure they had a career more than just my personal education, what number I wanted to achieve, right? So I was sure. really looking for what company would be the right place for the team to continue to grow. 
that's great. And, you know, having my own experience being a business owner, when we were approached to sell our business, it was very important for us to make sure that the company would be there for our employees and that they had an opportunity to grow with the new organization. And we were very successful in finding just the right fit. So yeah, I applaud your efforts in that regard. One of the things about, as I see the technology advancing, and a lot of people talk about AI and predictive analytics as it's now integrated within a lot of the software products that we can expect to come to market. How has that changed for the legal tech environment? It actually has changed quite a bit, especially in the legal tech space. And then like you mentioned earlier, you know, in the e-discovery space, for example, you kind of, you know, can predict the outcome of, you know, this particular case ends up in this jurisdiction in front of this particular court and in this particular judge, you know, and this particular (laughs) time before lunch, after lunch, you know, it looks up all the old cases and then it's just giving you predictive analysis, right? Those kind of things. And then also in terms of the data privacy as well, like, you know, you have all this structured, unstructured data. You go and do the statistical sampling of the risk profiles on this particular, you know, engineering data versus your uh, HR data. And then gives you proactively identifying the hotspots so that you can take action, either, you know, move them to quarantine and rename or delete those or, you know, just show the preparedness to the regulators that, you know, we are proactively doing. So the artificial intelligence or machine learning as well included as we are training the systems to learn these patterns. It's helping us quite a bit. And again, anyone who's listening to the news nowadays, it, it's a hot topic. Exactly. And it's become uh, just really something that literally down to the consumer level, we're going to be dealing with artificial intelligence for some time and how it's used and in a variety of different markets and spaces will mature as the markets adopt it. So question for you. So right. what advice do you have for anyone thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? What kind of a journey could they expect? I I say if you have an itch, you should definitely do it, you know, not look back and think that, you know, what if, right? Mm. So one of the things I would give advice is build a solid business plan, right? You know, really focus on what areas you want to go and how you want to grow and knowing your audience, who you want to sell. And one of the things uh, which, again, uh, NYIT, doing my MBA, they helped is knowing your numbers, you know, so know your numbers, know your numbers. I tell that not just with entrepreneurs, to all the managers I hired, everyone, you know, knowing your numbers really will help, right? And the other area I would definitely invest as an entrepreneur is marketing strategy. Hiring the right marketing person and then allocating your budget to the marketing has helped me personally. I used to do conferences, bringing in all the general councils to the table and then sharing their experiences and how they've achieved those kind of stuff and, you know, doing the articles, sharing the case studies and showcasing uh, your products and then going to the right technology events. Definitely one of the areas I would recommend. And I would also say when you start the company, unless you have a lot of investment into your company, do not do the big hires like the COO, CFOs. You know, you can start nimble and then as you're growing, identify the areas you need help with, then bring in the big hires. Yeah, no, that's so important. Unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand the budgeting process and understand cash is king, especially early on, and understand how much runway you have in order to help grow your business and bring on that new talent. Raj, who inspires you? I mean, there's 
several women leaders in the legal technology space. They inspire me. Growing up, I was really following, I don't know if you know, Indra Nui, the ex-CEO of PepsiCo. Mm -hmm. She she really was inspiring to me, and I was following and reading her articles and all those, even though now she retired. I still follow her. She was one of them, but they're like, several amazing female entrepreneurs, especially in my space, in the good space, that's very inspiring to me. And I try to meet them, <laughs> meet as many of them as possible all the time. Thank you for that, by the way. And and I had the opportunity of going to an event where I actually heard Indra Nui speak. And just... Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. And to hear her talk about how she got into the business, having to have a thick skin, confident, oftentimes being the only woman in a room, But she worked with some great leaders and people, and it was all about surrounding herself with talent and uh, just a remarkable person. Raj, what one word describes who you are? I would say hardworking. You know, you just had to say one word of hardworking because I don't give up until I finish what I started, right? So that's why I would say hardworking. Hardworking. So what brings that to mind is being resourceful. Uh, resilient. And then also in terms of hardworking, understand that the the nuts and bolts of getting things done are as important as anything else, right? Constantly moving the ball forward. Correct. Excellent. Uh, Raj, thank you so much for joining us. And I really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, John. I appreciate it. Capitalizing on her work experience, Raj saw the need in the European market to help the legal departments of major companies identify and implement technology-based solutions to operate more efficiently and effectively. Rather than bring in investors to grow the business, she opted to self-fund and grow organically. As the customers expanded, she solidified agreements to provide localized services by enlarging the company's European presence and adding offices in Asia and North America. To staff these offices, Raj hired a global talent acquisition person to find employees with the required technical knowledge and an acute understanding of regional culture and business practices. But she needed to unite this nascent multinational team into the company's culture. Raj accomplished this through such efforts as engaging with team members to share their stories and supporting the charities close to their hearts. These common threads provided a unifying basis for the team. Raj's advice for anyone thinking about becoming an entrepreneur is to Build a solid business plan. Identify potential customers and focus on areas of growth. Have a clear marketing strategy with an adequate budget and hire the right marketing talent. Start nimble. And then, as you're growing, identify areas you need help with and bring in the big hires. Always be mindful of cash flow. Know your numbers. This lesson is not just for entrepreneurs, but all managers. When asked who inspires her, She talked about women leaders in technology, but she focused on Indra Nui, the former chief executive and chairperson of PepsiCo, whose story of becoming CEO of one of the world's largest food and beverage companies can inspire all of us. And the one word she used to describe herself is hardworking. As she said, because I don't give up until I finish what I started. Certainly, we see this as an attribute of successful entrepreneurs or anyone who wants to reach their full potential. Thanks to Raj for sharing her experiences and valuable insights. This podcast is executive produced by John Robecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. The interim dean of the School of Management and executive producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohen. Our marketing and social media strategist is Petra Shantaraga. And our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. 
Special thanks to Professor Ellie Schwartz and Victoria Greco for all their support. Until next time.